Where, yeah, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the weed, guys. <laughs> <laughs> like my couch, though. It's pretty good. I can nap hard without it. Yeah, I had a bad one. It kind of messed up my neck a little bit. And then I went and got a new one. Took a lot of saving. Had to scalp a lot of comics to get that so couch. I don't mean a couch. I mean, I had a bad weed trip. Uh, yeah. Kind of messed oh, up my neck a little bit. Talking about couch lock, I was just stuck there for what felt like an empty eternity. <laughs> oh, I just turned my head too quick. Oh, God. It's like I'm a weird brown paisley. And I can't find where I am. <laughs> And it all begins. Oh, I'm made out of hair, but it's like on. slimy <laughs> hair, like really unwashed goatee hair. My ankle's made of reptiles. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I, my feet's carpet. said this is 124 you you can tell that uh, keep up because it's uh, numbered that way bellingham washington's premier comics place podcast but the u.s's precious little prince of a podcast comic book opinions uh galore here we are uh show me the way i'm jeff figley and i just think comic books are i love them they're like my i fucking love them day in day out i love these things what do you got I'm Django, and uh, I sleep literally on a bed of comic books. That's true. I'm just a big old fresh can of sparkling soda water named Justin. <laughs> I, hate, I don't want to follow that. I'm Roman, and my, my whole apartment's made of comics. It's, it's true. true. It's true, yeah. <laughs> I've been below it, and I can see the ground starting to, yeah. the floor starting to come in. I'm yeah. like, oh. Sort of falling in in a fictional wormhole that he's created. I was like, Adam Warlock, he's <laughs> Every Tuesday, we've got a whole bunch of comic books from UPS. We bring them back to the shop, sort of, read them, count them, you know, file them away. Then on Wednesday, we get to engage in the If you don't go to a comic shop on Wednesday, you should do it. It is quite a sight to behold. Comics zippy. that you didn't even know existed. It's zippy. There are people coming in, coming out. A lot of energy. A lot a lot of red faces, a lot, a lot of exhalations, <laughs> a lot of excitement. In. Captain's in, Captain's log. Captain Kearney. Yeah. Oh, that too. Yes. Uh, I just sort of yes-anded that without thinking about it. Um, oh, I like it. This week we're going to be talking about some of those books. Then we were skied to the uh, the downstairs bat cave, <laughs> where we engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the store. The comics or the temperature the of the back cave of our lives and the temperature of the back cave, which we're only going to be in for a couple more episodes, so we're going to have to have a real sad. You didn't quite make it to one year party for this thing. That's fine. It's probably fine. Yeah, we're oh, gonna move. From, we're gonna move from the back, just like in the seventies. We're gonna move from the back cave to, to a penthouse to the in the Wayne sky. Pe- the Wayne penthouse. Yeah. Above. yeah. Uh, this episode, we're gonna be talking about Dark Red number one, The Immortal Hulk number fifteen. Justice League. Is it just Justice League? Justice it's just League Justice America? League. Justice League of it's America. Just ju- yeah, ju- it's just Justice just League. Just Justice League? Justice League. Justice League number 20. 20, yep. Uh, Wonder Twins. No, that's not Wonder Twins. That's Naomi number three. <laughs> Wonder Comics. From Wonder Comics. Uh, the Life and Death of Toyo Harada number one. Invisible Kingdom number one. 
Meet the Skrulls. Meet, meet the Skrulls number two. Uh, Spider-Man Life Story number one. The 60s. The groovy Spider-Man's Life Story number one. Man, it's all about dough and bread with that guy. Yeah, it's so much about <laughs> bread. Yeah, it's about that bread. <laughs> he's, he's so obsessed with bread in that gotta make that bread. We're going like, to talk allergy, about... Bro. The Avengers, No Road Home, number six, and Batman, number 67. Listen, everybody, um, if that sounds insane, it's because we shuffled the week's books, and this is how the cards fell. We Except decided, for one strategic change that was made on the fly there. We decided that uh, our segues had become too easy. routine and too, easy too and good like honestly. putting on a hat like a weird hat yeah a really good looking weird hat yeah yeah just like trying out a brim just trying out a really yep. big brim trying out a new fucking coat you know yeah no you, you try on a new coat it speaks to you and uh then you got to shuffle everything up you need new shoes so these are our new shoes and all sl- <laughs> all slough of them all slough of these <laughs> are new shoes <laughs> But um, given, the that we, podcast where the, given that we let the fates handle the order of the books, I hope you're all real excited to take a very spooky trip down the convenience store aisle. Oh, yeah. What'd you think of Dark Red number one, Jeff? This is just you that read this one. So kick oh. it off. Oh, Perfectly acceptable podcast 124. Listen, we should, we should probably mention that there's spoilers in here. They are, but there's not going to be <clears> too big. We're trying to we're kind of trying to get clean. We're trying to we're trying to just, you know, so get off the spoiler. Bit. Yeah. Trying to, we've been spoiling up in our room alone. <laughs> you for can't way spoil too it up long. there. It's getting in my way of being able to have a real relationship <laughs> with anything. I'm just always want to get home and start spoiling again. Uh... <laughs> So this is Dark Red number one by Tim Seeley and Corinne Howell. It's from Aftershock, and just order one more. Aftershock, yeah, just order comics. one more. <laughs> um, in in my mind, Aftershock generally puts out pretty good comics. Like they they don't sell super well, although some of them are some of them are big hits. But I was I was a little bit curious about this. I really like the cover, which uh, was done by Aaron Campbell, and uh, he's he's the guy that did um, Infidel. I wouldn't talk to him as well. Image. I'm pretty. Yeah. Your instructions. Super fun, nice guy. Um, so this follows a dude who is a night clerk at a convenience store. He's a vampire, but his his boss makes him work late. So the opening scene is him kind of racing home after mopping up vomit from a redneck, um, hmm. racing home against the sun, hmm. and he gets back to his trailer and, and uh, ends up talking to this girl. And the, the hmm. thing that you find out is that he is Ooh. kind of uh, like a MAGA butthole. Um, it's a vampire who likes the Trump. It's yeah. It's it's a redneck vampire loner. So not like not like the redneck book that uh, Donnie Cates is doing. But mm. this guy, you know, he's he's written to be a big old butthead, and uh, you know, he encounters some other people, Ooh. and it's there's there's some very sexy stuff in here. Oh, it's I liked it, man. It's uh, what was so sexy about it, Django? Oh, there's a very sexy lady who shows up at the very end, and. Uh, we don't know anything about her yet, but... Think she's a vampire? <clears throat> well, I think she better be a vampire. Um, Why do you say that? Come on, we're not really... We don't get it all yet. Well... She a hillbilly? She's, redneck? She seems redneck? to have some minions. Oh. She seems to be more of the vampire Lestat sort of vampire. Like, Jeez. a little bit fancier. I don't really know what that means. It's like that movie, you know, with Tom Cruisers and Brad Pitters and Lestat. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Roman Lestatler. And, 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 oh, Roman Lestatler. <laughs> okay, know, the sex appeal. With yeah. big old fluff of gray hair coming out of yeah. his little chest. And his big Is that ice cream? white collar. Ice cream hair. That weird brooch Turtle he wears. Blizz. He's got all those onks. Yeah, <laughs> he's like some ice out. cream. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like this comic a lot. It, it's kind of slow. It is a really good setup issue. doesn't go exactly where you think it's going to go the whole time. And um, How many blurds would you give it? Oh, uh, blurds? Yeah, like vials of blurred. How many vials of, vials of blurred? blurds? Uh, yeah. Uh, I would give this a, a solid seven and a half. I, I wow. Think it's, uh, it's a good comic. There's there's nothing uh, too deep here as far as I can tell, but uh, he's Tim Seeley's playing with playing with these tropes, and uh, seems like he's having a good time. So, well done, Tim Seeley. I like to hear that. Yeah, that was just a really <laughs> succinct, good review, Django. What is, what's going on today, guys? Hey, nothing, Django, just buddy. say just say blood like you would. Blurred. Yes, blurred. blood sauce. Oh, just say blurred. Blurred. Oh. One time I heard Django say blood like blurred, and I fell in love, and, you know. Makes me think it's more co- congealed yeah. when you say blurred. Yeah, sometimes yeah. he'll go like this, blurred. Yeah. Blood. Yeah, <laughs> that. I love that. Continuing the hand that fate has dealt us, <laughs> oh. let's talk for a second about Immortal Hulk number 15 by Al Ewing and Joe Bennett and uh, Ruby Jose. Sometimes on the other face of the card, you don't want to see what's staring back at you. Um, as the card flips, you know the cards of fate. Uh, Turn the page yeah. and other Roman metal references. Turn the, that was Bob Seger. That's not metal. Oh fuck, you know <laughs> Bob um. Seger is pretty metal. <laughs> um, Roman, Justin, what do you think about this? Oh man, oh, another incredible issue of a Hulk, the Immortal. Hulk. One of my favorites. Um, we need erection foley for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it sure is good. I didn't know much about this Doc Samson character you, at the though? beginning, but now I do. But I mean, do you need to? But I yeah, just, do you need to? Do you, yeah, like, yeah, you don't really need to. No, for no. sure, I agree with all that. But I, as I was reading this, I was like, does Roman know which story? Like, this is referencing that I don't. Which well, what, at the beginning there with his death, yeah, and like the oh yeah, it was during the, the whole and, like. Who is the Red Hulk? Blah blah blah. I was doing all that because okay. the leader in Modoc, as he says here, um, took over Doc Samson, used him as a weapon. He got killed during that storyline. Um, he's like gamma radiation Jeff. Like he's a therapist. He's got oh. a ponytail. I, I really liked in this I love issue. His shirt. Doc Samson is back. He, as we know now, gamma powered characters come back from the dead, sometimes quickly, sometimes years later. Um, and just and he's a therapist. He was Bruce Banner's therapist for years, and he's uh, counseled other superheroes. And just the way they worked kind of the therapy lingo into here, and mm-hmm. his, his Samson's approach to life was so well done. It, it didn't feel like you know, uh, uh, it didn't feel fake. Like oh, here's a here's a buzzword for therapy. Right. But I also like <clears throat> yeah, clearly Al Ewing. Well, I mean, clearly based on this whole run, but like. The dude cares about philosophy and psychology, and clearly has been to therapy. I would say I just love the way they yeah, they talk about the therapeutic alliance, and that's not a thing that is one sided. It doesn't just affect the patient, but yeah. the patient affects the doctor. Yeah, I love that. They go on the I love that too. Yeah. It's a two way journey, and it's like, oh yeah, and then that's easy to forget. Um, that's got to be a lot for the doctor. That's why they charge you so much, <clears throat> right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Plus, heartache. Exactly. Yeah. They're not. They're not going home and putting it all away. They're not just going back home and spoiling. Like they, <laughs> they've got to. 
They're going to the mega psychiatrist. They got to unpack it. <laughs> yeah. Going to the Doc Samson. They have chicken and waffles cereal for that. Plus the thing you hear that they no milk. They emphasize that uh, Samson, when he came back from the dead, uh, literally crawled out of his grave. He didn't get a hold, even though when he started seeing news reports about Bruce Banner and the Hulk, he didn't get a hold of him right away or any of his other old Hulk buddies like Betty Ross and everybody. Because he realized he had his own trauma from coming back from the dead, and he's still wondering, like, why are we all coming back? Why are we still here? And he realized that'd be unprofessional of me to, irresponsible, to get a hold of Bruce and go like, "Hey, I'm back. Let's." Well, I'm still trying to figure out my stuff. Yeah, uh, this was written with like that Doc Samson character as a really well conceptualized full character that I've just never read any of. Which do you recognize him? <clears throat> I recognize I him sure only do. from pictures of things, but I've okay. not seen him. I've not read a comic with him before. Yeah, and they even mentioned he mentions that in his his narration when he <clears throat> goes to meet Betty for the first time, um, and he even mentions the fact there's no attraction between us anymore because in his first appearance he was trying to win her affections by being all macho and beating the Hulk physically. <laughs> I also love like how fucked up every one of their relationships is like Bruce and Betty Betty yeah cool and then Doc Stanton like they're all you know there's a lot of Bettys and Barbaras and <laughs> there are Wilma's uh, Wilma's and Bianca's Marthas, Marthas. <laughs> just other names that we could do but yeah like I don't know like when Betty died in the la- like the end of the last issue and obviously didn't die because she is got gamma radiation as well. But um, like Bruce was real bummed about it. But also they like go to check where her body is, and she's he's like, well, she's gone. Sweet. Like we don't need to worry about her. Like I don't know. There are these relationships, and they're not taking the easy path of just like, oh yeah, they're in love or whatever. Like there's a huge amount of strain between them, and they don't even like last issue. I think it really showed how damaging Bruce was to her, and in mm-hmm. this one, it's showing like how kind of, you know, much of a dick and the the distance that he has between her now. I just, I thought that was pretty well done. Justin, what where what what do you got? <sighs> Loved it. Um gosh. Loved the whole thing. Uh from the minute I opened it to the minute I closed it. There's one part that I just I guess like developing this multiple personality yeah. of the whole thing, like he's got an inner pantheon as well as an external pantheon and I think that's pretty cool. Hulk does or Samson does? Hulk does. So Hulk is kind of, he's got this like super angry kind of evil malicious Hulk that just wants to destroy and cause purposeless suffering inside of him and he's locked him away with this like paternal Hulk that kind of pretends to be his dad and like yeah, as a placeholder for a paternal figure he didn't really have. Which is so awesome. Like, yeah. in that conversation, he's just like, well, I realized what he needed is someone to, like, care for him and a father the way it didn't happen. So, like, we have this Hulk who doesn't talk to Bruce and, in fact, kind of hates Bruce because Bruce, orchest- Bruce orchestrated being murdered or, in you know, into the Hulk. Bruce orchestrated the Hulk being murdered. Yeah. Uh, so they don't communicate, but to still then realize that he's this damaged, broken thing that needs to be protected because they he have loves this symbiotic too, relationship. in a weird way. Yeah. 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 And the fact that he's the Hulk says father. he's this father, but because Bruce never had a a good model of a father that actually has fatherly love, it results in this Hulk that you know is this twisted form of maybe love, but there's no. It's, it's such it, a twisted yeah. version of fatherhood. Yeah. This, this is kind of a connective 
yeah. tissue book, so there's not, you know, things that kind of feel more like a standalone or more willing to give a 10. Um, but this did remind me, like, sometimes each issue feels like he's making it up as he goes in the best way, but there's, like, he is playing with some bigger gears. Now we have to deal with, like, life and death again and what hulks are to the other, like, each gamma person can be revived and come back. So they're going and trying to track down these gamma people. There's, like, clearly a larger run mm-hmm. being written. And I, you're able to see this the crazy person strings in this issue. And I liked that. I was like, oh, okay, it's not just, you know, Hulk having a new kind of crazy theological thing every different episode. What do you so, think, Roman? Or issue. Uh, I'll give, I don't want to give it like a 9.8. Oh. oh. Do it. Even it has Samson's little sense of humor come out. Yeah, yeah, your, like, yeah, come on. Throw your yeah. Samson up on the table. Yeah. <laughs> just slide it up. 9.8. Yeah. Just, just a little Samson. Give us a little. Nine and a half. Nine ducks Nine up. point eight and a half. Okay, wow. <laughs> well, I don't know what happened between that book and a 10, but <laughs> <Phil>. something. <laughs> Right. Phil's, Phil's angry. No, so, well, I don't, he's not well, mad. I actually, can just let, see him working on that Excel actually, spreadsheet. Actually, let me quick. I'll give it a 10. 10. Uh, 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 okay, throw the Samson up. Because I just realized the Samson up. Give there's, no other, there's no other books here that I liked as much as this. So, 10. Wow. <laughs> oh, boom, boom. All right, let's talk about Justice League number 20 by Scott Snyder and Jorge Jimenez. Who all read this one? Again, we're just I sort did. of on the sands of time have given us this order of books. Roman, did you read this one? Uh, no. Okay. Justin, it's you and I here. Yeah. Speaking of the Hulk. Yes. Speaking of the Hulk and, uh... Big, strong... (laughs) Similar characters sort of battling one another. Big, large, huge. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I really liked this, but it is... Like big Saturday morning cartoon Justice League stuff. In front of the Hall of Justice, according to the cover. Yeah, there's some, there's some big stuff... Going on, I'm not sure if I've missed it because um, I've gone in and out of different arcs here. But they like have do some goofy stuff. There's some goofy stuff. You remember like the like the Hall of Justice had that like knob symbol that was built on, and the, the Legion of Doom one was an, like an opposing one. Well, here in this like future six dimensional like possible future reality, they have like everything is working out and I don't trust it but it's all modeled on like this sort of symbol of the multiverse that is clearly kind of like the bringing together okay. of some of these door elements I'm not sure if that had been brought up in an arc that I didn't read here but it's cool it's awesome and like the Just League has been taken to this crazy everything is great world and are being shown kind of let exactly what they would want to be shown which makes you not trust the whole thing too easy. Yeah, it's too easy. So the sixth dimension yeah. is more grounded for you than metal? Yeah, but like they spent the whole previous issue like trying to pretty clearly explain create that. yeah, okay. explain how you can wrap your matter. And then they do that kind of again in this yeah. one. And it's not and I think in metal, that's basically what he was trying to talk about, but yeah. I think he's refined his language for trying to talk about that. The language and the conversation is pretty good, and it's not like it's not like, oh, the sixth dimension, like, super th- cracking the, the world open, but it's a really, it's not so dumb. And it, it is it is a lot of, it's a lot of fun. Uh, not that dumb is bad, but it's even, you know, more intelligent than I thought it was after the last yeah. issue. Yeah, there's a little more substance to it than I thought. I read it in a real low attention processing way, and then I 
I ended up being like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. Um, though the art is, is, I really like the art. I really like the art too. It's just so shiny and yeah. glossy and big. And, Fast. And, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I really like it. Who's the artist again? Jorge Jimenez. He's been doing a, a fair amount of yeah. this run. I'm, I'm 8.5 in it. Really Ooh. good comic to me. Wow. Yeah. Like I, it's, <clears throat> it's probably my favorite two consecutive issues of Justice League since Scott Snyder started it. Cool. I really like that Dick's. Dick's costume has a, a little line attaching his belt to his chest. Yeah, I wonder if that's where there's a red zipper. Ooh. <laughs> I'll give it a seven. It was it was fun. I, How many uh, bat zippers? How many red zippers? Uh, you know, seven zippers. <laughs> uh, it it was my uh, in through one eye out the other kind of book. Uh, oh yeah. Roman, tell me about Naomi by Brian can Bendis. I, can I give it a flipper? And, uh, uh, Walker, Jamal Walker, is Dave, David Walker, is that? I think it's Jamal. Where's Walker. the credits on this thing? <laughs> yeah, they they don't care. David, oh, it is David, David F. Walker. Walker. Jamal Campbell's the artist. David F. Walker's writing it with him. Oh, with Jamal Bendis. Campbell okay. can draw. A yeah, book. it's real yeah. pretty. Colors help it too. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Well, luckily this issue, and can I just say right now this issue it ends in a different place than the previous two issues, well, which very is nice. Slightly. Well, well very David would slightly. yeah would disagree. <laughs> Um, but we open up back in the garage where Naomi's sleeping on this confronting book? D. It's well, there's only three issues so far. You can get caught up. Wake up and catch up. Um, she's still conf- <laughs> she's still confronting D, trying to get answers from him, and he's avoiding things until he finally tells her the truth about himself. Um, and yeah, he's not from Earth. He's a Thanagarian. Uh, him and does he does he even reveal like? No, he her, about her about her no, parents. He's just a Thanagarian. We don't really r- learn much about it. Um, although that reveal at the end of, of you know, of yeah, I mean, I mean, her her, her her adoptive whatever you want to say. Parents come and their mom's really mad. They take her out to the woods. Dad reveals a, a spacecraft in a cave. Um, there's a mystery around that, and per- turns out her dad is I'm going to say Ranian. Yeah, is that Adam Strangian? Th- yeah, yeah. Than- Thanagar and Rand always had either they were buddies. Most of the time they were always at war with each other. Okay. So my guess is that Naomi's dad, at least, or maybe both her parents, came to Earth pursuing D, and and that's how they all ended up in this town. And that makes sense why her mom was so pissed off at D and punched him in the face, and she was like, I've never seen my yeah. mom angry at anybody. And it makes sense because they've got sort of competing or warring histories. Yeah, and there was something in here that some line, I forget where it is now, that uh, tied this into one of um, Bendis's other DC books right now. Oh, uh, the Amethyst. He goes to Gemworld. Yeah, yeah, yeah Gemworld, yeah. 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 Um, ties into Young Justice. Man, that lost at a point for me immediately. I don't <laughs> love the Amethyst Gym World stuff. I, I just, I, I care about it so little, I it makes me mad. Yeah. Oh, is it going to make you mad if Naomi is, like, from Gem World? No, I'll probably <laughs> just stop reading it. Like, if, if we have to go to Gem World, that's On it. Two different that's a deal books. breaker. Yeah. <laughs> Did you dig it, Roman? Um, it's okay. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. It's perfectly acceptable. So far, my favorite character in Naomi is actually D. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Deacon Brendis, who can yeah. decompress a book. Um, it's like you've you've been airlocked. Yeah, the art's nice. Like, the covers are great. Expanding and expanding because there's no. He just he can add issues into a story, but I always like reading them. Like I, I, you're always getting more characterization, and I dig that very much. 
yeah, I, I, I enjoyed reading it, but then when I got done with it, I was like, well, sweet. Still basically haven't moved much forward here, um, which, you know, to be fair, I would be mad if we ended up at this point in the first issue or even in the second issue. So he's doing a good job of it, but man, give me some, give me a subplot that develops. <laughs> I it's, really is liked this it. like figuring out parents <laughs> or space aliens isn't enough of a plot movement for you, or has we, that been? Well, I think there's at? a good subplot sort of with D's relationship with D and with the parents, and there's an interesting thing like the whole flashback of when this like D's wife was murdered in this thing, and he leaves, and I think that scene was really well done and particularly gorgeous artistically. I mean, I think the art in this is real. Is a real high point for me. I think it looks really, really great. I love the art. I like the. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good collection. I think yeah, it's definitely uh, written for like a six issue trade. Yeah, the mm. the single issues are pulling me through, but that's about it at this point. Yeah, I would give it a six and a half. I give it a seven and a half, seven point five or an eight. I, I I really like it. I think I'd give it. I, I'll give it a. I'll go to seven. I'll give it a seven of these little glowy weird balls. Mm. That glowy weird ball was pretty cool, though. Did you guys ever read Harbinger? No. Harbinger? Nope. I've never read from really Valiant. It was a Valiant, much Valiant comic. stuff. Never read either one. Old, old Valiant comic. It was pretty good. The bad guy was Toyo Harada. Isn't he like the Lex Luthor of the whole Valiant universe? He wasn't at the time, but apparently he is now. Okay. Super powerful guy. So the life and death. God, I got nothing, guys. Life and death of Toyo. Like spinning my wheels here. Life of the Toyo <laughs> I got let's, dead brain. Let's punch each other in the dicks until we're. Oh yeah. man, I fucking love comics, you guys. <laughs> um, I thought that the so the life and death of Toyo Harada. It's like a Valiant number one for a miniseries. I never really know what's going on with this universe, but I always wish that I was super into it or super invested in it because, like, the people that do read Valiant comics really like Valiant comics, and it's so interconnected. I think that's pretty admirable. Uh, so it sets up this character, Toyo Harada, who is just kind of one of those typical super-powered intelligence people with some superpowers, which I love that. Like, I see it executed poorly pretty often. Like, I like the idea of how Prodigy was going, but it didn't super grab me. But this this one is, is really cool, and he's got some crazy psychic powers as well. But it's all sort of wrapped up in this framing device of like what existed before the Big Bang and the spark that created all information and data and then created the Earth. And then there's ends on this really sort of nihilistic note. It was a really, I don't know, I liked the framing device and I liked the history of the Toyo Harada character way, way more than I liked the whole middle of the book, which was basically really steeped in the Valiant Universe sort of politics and the countries that are supported or not supported by him or aligning with Toyo Harada, who is a bad guy, I think... It, this, yeah, except this is from this is almost from his perspective, right. right? So when you see him and you think he's a bad guy, he he doesn't seem to be doing anything that's bad. He's doing things that are bad, like uh, like Elon Musk does things that are bad. You know, like oh, this has the potential for being really kind of sketchy, but he's you know making a space elevator to pull down alien tech from a ring yeah. of debris around the moon but it and sounds he's... like he's kind of a terrorist who's supporting people trying to overthrow their government so yeah. all these countries are turning against him and i really like the the middle battle scene where you've got four different um harada what are they side synots or something yeah. like that um and they're fighting and you get an overhead view of his compound 
and then each of them is bordered in a color, and their color uh, corresponds to a dot on, on the map of the compound, so you can see where they're fighting. Um, it's a nice usage of comic books. Yeah. yeah. It's like a good graphic yeah, design. Never trick. really seen that particular trick in a yeah. comic. Um, I thought the art was pretty awesome. Yeah. And I like the... I didn't quite understand some of the politics. Maybe that's just because I wasn't trying very hard. But Sounds like, yeah, Toyo Harada <clears throat> has a crew of like five people that he trusts and work with him, but one of them is pretty pissed off at him, and it sounds like is sort of turning on him, and that I, I think is what's going to lead to the sort of life and death of Toyo Harada. Well, you can be the smartest man in the world, but if you don't take care of your people, if you're a dick, no good. people will turn against you. <laughs> I really enjoyed the, the scene where he... Uh, Finds his powers in Hiroshima. I'll tell you what, I'm probably going to read this whole thing. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. I, I like this one a lot. And uh, if, if the art stays consistent and the the story doesn't get really bogged down in, like, too much Valiant that I don't understand. Because, right. like, I, I've read a lot of the Valiant stuff in the 90s, and so there are a lot of touchstones here for me. Um, What'd you give it? I'd give it a... I would give it a 7. For a comic, like I think, I think you could sit down and enjoy this comic pretty much no matter who you are. I totally agree. Seven, a little dry, but some pretty cool stuff as well. Um, on that note of a little dry, but a, some pretty cool <laughs> stuff as well. I want to say that I, I, I think comics are just as cool of a thing as there can be, uh, and I, you know. I even even really enjoyed reading this book, although the first several pages of Invisible Kingdom by G. Willow Wilson and Christian Ward just sort of made me feel like, man, there are a lot of sci-fi comics. There are, but I think that that means that there's a lot of sci-fi comics, and there's there are a lot of people who like different sci-fis, and I thought that this was this was better than some of the Star Wars comics I've read, you know, and, for sure. And it's not that different from a lot of the Star Wars comics that I've read. You know, you've got the the nuns. <laughs> Like the the ancient religion, and you've got the the smugglers delivering things. I mean, they're not really smugglers; they're Amazon delivery people. But yeah, there was some stuff that I thought was pretty well done in aspects of the world in this that I I thought were pretty interesting. I liked the the religious dynamic, and I liked the idea that this sort of religious community is probably breaking a law through some smuggling. But does someone want to give us a quick rundown on what happened in this? Um, uh, so, oh, go ahead. No, 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 you can go ahead. Let's Justin, both do it. You give us a... <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically follows a, a group of uh, delivery delivery drivers in space who crash land on a on a planet, and uh, they're in oh my trouble. god, it's Futurama with Christian Ward art. <laughs> it is, it is. They're in trouble, and uh, they accidentally discover that uh, there's there's some sketchy uh, stuff going on in the packages, uh, like bureaucratic problems that are that are bogging down this. Uh, this ship's kind of ethics. Someone is transferring too much money, yeah. and it's like being taken off logs, but they're being sent there, so this people are inadvertently funneling funds that they didn't mean to be. And then back on the main world, you're uh, or, or on one of the other worlds, you're following this young girl who's uh, stumbling, blindfolded, trying to find uh, nuns. Is it a monastery if it's nuns? A nunnery. I think it is just it's, called the Invisible Nunnery, right? Yes, yeah, the, the the Invisible Kingdom Nunnery. Yeah. Um, the uh, and it's not N U N. It's N O N E. Yeah, which I thought was really cool. Um, seems to be maybe kind of like a. But I wasn't sure if that like was a Buddhist thing or. Well, I wasn't sure if that was just that person like 
derogatorily saying that. Oh, no, I think they said it a little bit later. Because I thought it was only said once. But yeah, she calls her nun as in nothing. Yeah. And it turns out that they are somehow related. Like they're maybe helping the helping the, the packages get sent out weird with money missing my butt. So um, Star Wars space economics? Well, except real small scale. This system they're in, apparently they only have... They don't have interstellar travel. They have like planet to planet, and there's like, like there's like four planets. Yeah. So they don't have warp drive. They don't have any of that. And and G. Willow Wilson lives in Seattle, and in the afterward, she talks about how <clears throat> she had this concept of you know talking about Amazon. And mm. This is this is like three pages in. I was like, this is just a fucking Amazon allegory. Yeah. And then I got. I mean, back, reading like, the oh, first page, you're yeah, like, oh, this sure kind of reminds me of. Yeah, and like the captain of the ship, they crash. You know, she's resentful because you know. She has great piloting skills, but she's stuck being a being a plant to plant Amazon like delivery driver. Yeah, I really think Christian Ward's artwork is beautiful, but I have kind of a hard time with it in terms of comic book artwork. Uh, I don't know super how to describe it, it but the ba- it's all kind of confusing. I think the most grounded it was was in that Black Bolt run, mm-hmm. but this is yeah, it's it's close. Yeah, I, I it's very pretty, but it's. It just—I don't know. The backgrounds can be kind of underdeveloped and just blank colors behind them. Not a huge problem, but I don't know. There's just—it's yeah. hard, kind of hard for me to place what's going on. I know what you mean. Like the sky scenes, the outer space scenes look beautiful. This final shot of the uh, the the monastery is gorgeous. Yeah, it is. But yeah, some of the smaller street scenes and things, like uh, I don't know. I I really. L- like the storyline though it surprised me that i like the uh the race that this one person is from the new initiate into into the mm-hmm. monastery the rulians and they have apparently four, four genders, four genders yeah, four I sexes that was cool. up down left right yeah, yeah and that yeah. plays in it's going to play in somehow um and i like kind of the parallels just with the ship's captain and this new initiate and they're both um People that are that are trapped in their roles or trying to define their roles and change their roles and, and they're they've both discovered the same thing and how that's gonna come together. Mm-hmm. There's so much sci-fi at this point. It takes a pretty unique sci-fi concept to make me really want to read it. And kinda like you said, it, it's certainly not worse than like Star Wars things, but I don't read Star Wars things either. Yeah. Yeah. No no better than some of those Han Solo yeah. Solo yeah. stories or Poe Dameron books. I'll give I'll give it a I'll give it a six and a half. I really like the constricting the universe of this story to like four planets and maybe just two planets. Yeah, I think there's some very cool setup in it. Like and some yeah. very cool ideas, but a book that I did really like that uh I think had some some great setup work for interpersonal relationship segues is Meet the Skrells <laughs> number two. By Robbie Thompson and Nico Henrichon. Henrichon, and we talked about the first issue of this on the podcast, and we were all actually like pretty, pretty fond of it. I think more than anything, I was pleasantly surprised by it. Yeah, and, yeah, I was too. And I liked this one more than the first issue. And this one opened with a sort of flashback to the father Skrill, uh, who died by his planet being consumed by Galactus and sort of him flashing back to being a child and his whole family dying around him and then going back to his family dynamic and 
I just really like all the family relationship stuff in this. It's super kind of like there's almost a Riverdale-y type aspect to it of like <laughs> teens, you know, getting along. I loved the the at one point the youngest daughter who's not super effectively identifying as a scroll and wanting to attack humans is like looking on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram to one of her schoolmates and the dad walks by and is like, nice, you're looking up on your 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 project. That's great. And and she's like, no. Uh, he's like, she's like, don't they all look happy? And then the sister says, like, humans post online because they hope that by doing so, others will believe there's something that they're not. All they succeed in doing is giving away precious intel, uh, where they will be and uh, whom they will be with. I just loved that sort of biting jab at internet culture, which I totally, totally agree with and identify with. Uh, yeah, I thought that was really good. I think there's just some really nice social critiquing that goes on here without it feeling super heavy-handed, which I really appreciate. Everybody lives a double life, Jeffrey. I agree, I agree, and the internet is one half of that double life. It's and, half of one of mine. Yeah, yeah. The 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 Hydra. Yeah. Yeah. Hail Hydra, Django. Yeah, it's... Um, he's Hydra, Jeff. He's Hydra, Django. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's... This is a cool cool thing. Um, it's And at this point, the two daughters are kind of at these opposing ends of how an alien would view human society, and one kind of wants to be a part of it, but is learning how to be more scroll-like, and the other is really good at being scroll-like, and now is kind of turning a little bit towards maybe having a little bit of compassion for it and she's the more militaristic one and I really really liked when the mom scroll got stuck uh, and uh, for an extended period of time as the person she was pretending to be and it's like their date night and so she has to show up to the dinner with the dad scroll as another guy and they're like holding hands at the dinner table and she's like I'm sorry I'm stuck in this other form and he's like I can always see you beneath that and that was just a really I don't know like I, it's very sweet it was yeah. super sweet <laughs> and touched on things without saying anything. Mm -hmm. And I love the idea that yeah. it kind of looked like maybe this dude's cheating on his wife with another guy at a restaurant. And yeah, I don't know. I just, but I, like if you were a scroll, Skrill. If you were a Skrill. <laughs> Skrilla. And you're, uh, you know those you're dressing skrills. up like a person, like yeah. a human, right? Yeah. Like, do you even have those hangups? No, exactly. No, no. Which is which is what I thought was such a great usage of that scene for this thing yeah. because it was kind of visually representing an issue that to do with humans would have had a bunch like a much different baggage. Yeah, and you know this didn't have that baggage and it sort of illustrated that there's no need for that baggage, and you know got homecoming dance issues. I love yeah. people being worried about who they're going to a dance with. I've never been to a dance. I've never been worried about you. who I was going to the dance with. Well, that sounds like you two should go together, but if neither oh, yeah, of you have a date, I'd love to go. Skrills. Skrills. What do you give it, Jeff? <clears throat> um, I'm going to give it a nine, which almost seems crazy to me, but like I just really liked it. I, oh, sure. There was a wholesome thing about it that, it, yeah, it was wholesome while being kind of dark and fucked up, and I love the art. <laughs> I really like the art, but yeah, yeah. there was a, a naivete and tenderness to it that I really like. I like the previous issue a little bit more than this one. Yeah. Um, maybe because I thought it was a one-shot when I read it. Oh. <laughs> uh, I really liked... I liked it right up to the end, and then I was like, oh, shit, there's another one. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give it a seven and a half. I uh, would would like to keep reading this graphic 
novel about the scrolls? The scrolls. I'll go to seven. I, I'm intrigued with it. I, I like the developments. I love that the artist draws the scrolls looking like Jack Kirby originally drew them. Do the, other people draw them different? Scrolls. Other people tend to draw them more like, I don't know, like green Vulcans or something. Oh, okay. this, this artist does them with the, like, Concentric circles and they're they're like mesmero eyes and they're really like big Osborne floppy hair. ears. Yeah, here yeah. 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 and that's how Kirby originally drew them. Speaking of uh, Norman Osborn hair, talk about Norman Osborn's mm-hmm. hair, man! As a kid, I did not know what those lines. No, meant. I didn't know any of it. Yeah, it's, I thought he wore some kind of weird curlies, tight helmet. But, <laughs> yeah, but there's like a oh. red line and then a black one, yeah. and then I used <laughs> to just I stare at it. No, it used to kind of gross me out. I would look at it and say. I just don't get it. I just, that's a big fucking fro. That's a big fucking fro. What's in that hair, Jeff? Spider-Man Life Story Number 1, The 60s, by Chip Zdarsky, Mark motherfucking Bagley. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you get that out of here. John Dell and Frank DeMarta. DeMarta. I want to say real quickly that I think it's the best Mark Bagley we've seen in a while. Yeah. Oh, there's good Mark Bagley? Oh, it's yeah. the same Ultimate Mark Spider-Man? Bagley that we saw in the 90s. Yeah, and it's... And which apparently is in the much 60s. better than what we which, saw yeah. with like his Ben Riley stuff yeah. recently, oh. and he's done some real sort of yeah. I don't, I don't, in lately. I don't Do think it's the anchor. I hate him. Yeah, I don't mind this this Bagley, um, the anchor John Dell, maybe. I and mean, while I, I was reading it, I kept seeing these shots like page two. Is, yeah. Oh, that's absolutely Peter Parker from. Uh, the the Spider Man or just just the Amazing Spider Man right after uh, Eric Larson left. There's a shot of Captain America that I'm pretty sure they just took off of one of the covers, that the cover of that issue right after all the ones that are valuable. So this issue is set in the 1960s. A couple of years earlier in 1962, uh, Peter Parker gets his powers, and so it's it's all about kind of him trying to decide whether his great responsibility belongs in Vietnam, along with his friends like uh, Flash, who's literally shipping off to Vietnam. Um, and he's, he, you know, we've got his buddy Flash, we've got Gwen Stacy, Mary Jane's in there, uh, and Norman Osborn is there too. And, and you know, there's, there's not a whole lot of superhero action in here, uh, but it seems to be... Like if if they're treating each of these issues as a decade, um, you know I think I think the Green Goblin really does kind of uh, epitomize the '60s Spider-Man. Well, yeah, I think that an important thing to mention is yeah that the conceit of this book is that of the like five or six issues, each one is going to be a different decade and they'll take place roughly ten years apart, and it'll be Peter Parker aging as if he were actually able to age instead of comics keeping you the same age forever. So I'm really excited to see what happens when he gets older. And it also has an X-Men like grand design feel in here where like I think I was I think that what you said was they going fuck when when you saw like yeah. the Gwen Stacy <laughs> yeah. and like the evil d- professor thing. Yeah. And it which like alludes to the clone saga and that affair that she had with that doctor and so they are able to be they're bringing in some like retcon moments of history into a larger canonical thing which I also really like and I do totally agree with you Jango I think to like sort of wrap up eras of his life with sort of the Gwen Stacy era has to be intrinsically related to the Green Goblin stuff and I bet we'll see her die in the next issue. Right. Spoilers. Gwen Stacy died a long time ago from the Green Goblin. This book was really good. Besides, oh, yeah, sorry, I love We haven't talked about this book yeah, yet. Yeah, I love this book and at first and I'm still not quite sure 
At first, I thought it was going to be like grand design where it's kind of recounting Peter's history, but this is an alternate history slightly. And yeah. he's going to Captain be... America never went to Vietnam. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I love that idea. Yeah, so I do too. Captain America tells him, like, well, just because you have this power doesn't mean it's your responsibility to go with the winds of whatever the political climate is. And then he's like, but I myself need to go check it out. And I love that what he decided was that America was in the wrong. So and now he's just going cool. rogue in yeah. Vietnam, protecting Vietnamese people. Yeah. Fuck And yeah. I'm really curious if, yeah. if they get into that, like, the why is because it's like he mentions... You know, he was in frozen in ice. The last thing he saw was his friend getting killed, supposedly. Then he's frozen and then woke up 20 years later. That trauma, and I'm wondering if that's going to be playing the story, that he goes over there and... Well, Maybe I he's he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, fucked. Yeah, that's yeah. my thing. I think it's just he decides America's fucked or if he decides that and it's also tied into because of his trauma and he's like a little yeah, bit manipulated by the how... Viet Cong. Yeah, maybe, or just, I, I think it works really, really well as just ending on that statement of, like, Captain America identifies that what America was doing in Vietnam was not yeah, the his, his idea of America. And if each yeah. issue is, like, another decade, so is next issue going to be, like, 1973, and Cap is still fighting on the side of the Viet Cong? <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, I'm interested to see just how they're going to pick up other characters and cap could stay because he could stay young because the super soldier serum and it'll be interesting i bet we'll get like daredevil in the 80s or something yeah like i really cocaine enjoyed pete's voice Mm -hmm. um it was the whole thing was charming pete kind of freaking out there for a second he was a a butthole yeah he he was a little more confident and a little more dickish than i imagine pete but his uh, his sincere apology to Flash Thompson made yeah, my was, heart go, ooh. That yeah. was really well written. Um, Zdarsky's got heart. Zaharsky. Yeah. Zaharsky. Oh, do you think that was well written, or do you think that that was just a good apology that Chip Zdarsky wrote? Like, I didn't feel like... Either. It works. Yeah. Well, it, came, it seemed like a real emotion. Like, yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah. It just Pe- felt a little bit like, like my one complaint about um, Kirkman, where he just has people stand there and say... Everything that they're feeling out loud, hmm. like in in page dump after page dump. Justin, what do you give it? Would you love you know? Give me that sauce. I give it fucking a nine and a half loaves wow. of that with bread. Art. Yeah. He did talk about <laughs> bread so much. It, I, I, like, I, I know like that. I love that breads scene. And a scratch. <laughs> Peter yeah. is talking about scratch and bread, and they're hitting it a little bit hard there for me. I got, I was like, come on. When I read yeah. that, I thought of you guys because I thought, oh man, this is, this is going to stand out. <laughs> I just because I was like, I remember my dad use, using the term bread and scratch for money. And oh, even yeah. hearing old comics guys talk about like you know coming up with ideas in the sixties, I remember Stan Lee, R.I.P., was like. That would be pretty groovy when talking <laughs> about a spi- about the Spider-Man costume. So yeah, I thought like it some cha- smu- 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 I can't even say it. Smu- what's simoleons? Whatever that term is. For Whoa, money. buddy! <laughs> Charge! What the hate away, man? Let's get some scores. Um, Justin said nine point five. It's just I I have been looking for that Peter voice, and I don't find Peter voice very often. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got their new Spidey, or like this channels the old Spidey in your head. And do we all really have the same Spidey in our head? Because we all have our like our super sentimental Spidey, like mine's mainly from the cartoons, but also... Mine likes cashola. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Mine just loves gluten structure. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And this this one was... This this felt like how I think a Spider-Man book feels to me. I would would give it a seven and a half. Docking it a little bit for the dialogue, which I thought was a little bit clunky, and a little bit for the... For you the just art, like, which just, just the heart. 
The art is so 90s to me. I, I wish that it's they had so maybe... 90s. Or 2000, yeah. actually, is the year that it is. Yeah, like I wish that they had <laughs> I mean, matched I the art a little bit better to the decade. Um, but I'm going to pick it up a little bit for having that shape and a drape. Gwen Stacy. <laughs> I'm going to give it a 9. I really liked it, and I think it could be easily higher. 8.5 to a 9. Like... Begley's a real tough sell for me, and I think it's a. It, this book would be like the concept of it, and the conceit of it is like ten material if they had. Gotten... Holy chip! What? That guy just got like eights and nines out of you guys with Mark Begley on the art. Yeah, he's a great <laughs> writer. I, yeah. Like our last reviews of Daredevil have been great. When we talked about Peter Parker on the podcast, it was great. No, I, yeah. I agree. That's yeah, yeah. just like that is impressive. I really like. Recently, kind of fell in love with him, and I was that little dumb hipster that was like, "I don't really like him. Blah. I don't like this thing that everyone's into right now." But he charmed the shit out of me. Yeah. Roman, what's your house score? This is my other ten for the week. Boom! Go, 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 go. Boom! <laughs> do 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 do. Oh, it's just rolling. Look at it. <laughs> it's like I, I, it's like fruit by the foot. <laughs> fruit by the feet. <laughs> I love this. I mean, I, this is by the much more Spider-Man and Peter Parker than like friendly neighborhood Spider-Man for me. I'm, I'm just like, man, this is the Peter Parker I love. So good. I can't wait for the next issue. I don't know what I'm going to do when we're done with this podcast because I don't really know how to get back to where I live. You could say that there's no road what? home. <laughs> No, we'll get a better one. Oh, that was good. No, I like that. That was gorgeous. Confused about you for a moment. (laughs) You didn't just move. It's been a long time since you were home regularly. I was like, "What? You're not that That drunk? You're not wrong. No, we've missed you. Not wrong. And the audience has missed you. We keep getting emails and emails. Django, Django, Django. You check the voicemail. While we get into this, No Road Home, Avengers, No Road Home, number six. By Al Ewing, Jim Zub, Mark Wade, and Sean Izakse on art, color artist J. David Ramos and Marquio Menez. I read this issue. I have not read any issues of Avengers Road Home. Jago, are you reading Avengers Road Home? I read number six. Just number six. That's me too. Did yeah, you guys you listen to Roman? Boat. What? You, this, you is, let... this is Conan's first dalliance with the Marvel Universe. Uh, also, also, Al Ewing writing... Hulk. Hulk. Conan. But Roman, Django, you guys are my Conan dudes. <coughs> I my Conan have, daddies. I've been my big shirtless Conan <laughs> Super into Conan for uh, three issues of his regular series. Roman has been <laughs> super into all of the Conan books that have come out. I have. He's the king, baby. So, I used to read it when I was a kid. So after, like, I, I read the previously on, right? Because I figured I kind of needed to in order to... That's smart. I didn't. Yeah. I, I kind of wanted to know what was happening. And then when I got to the first real story page I couldn't get that like overwrought yeah. narrator out of my head it was like the barbarian's hand grips his sword hilt tight as the witch screams awakened by the visions that cut her to the quick well, it needed that like that that I like that had to grow on me it wasn't until like halfway through when something happens where he's talking about Crom, I just love when this guy fucking talks about Crom. Yeah. <laughs> it's so Krom fucking doesn't good. care about me. Yeah, Why, and I would never ask. Yeah, him yeah. For Are you praying to your God? I don't. Crom doesn't give a fuck about me, and I would never ask him for anything. And it's like, okay, I love this. Why do you have him? Yeah. What do you guys <laughs> <he> do? do? <laughs> so it gives you a you good go to church. Yeah, it gives you a good uh, epitaph when you're swearing. And then a little <laughs> yeah. bit later on, like it, I had to work into it. I think the writer sort of found the voice for that overwrought 
thing. But when he's just like, I love the bit where he's like, travel is a shared relationship between a person and the road. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, dude, for sure. Yeah. I like this pretty well, although it didn't feel much like an Avengers book to me. It is it is uh, Wanda hanging out, like a blinded Wanda hanging out with Conan for most of the series, or most of the book. There's a little interlude with the Immortal Hulk, which I thought didn't fit very well for me. Knowing what I know about the main Hulk series, and this is, I was saying I was going to circle back oh, around, God, like time and a flat a circle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Things um, follow one another, stories. I call it a flat cert. Um, <laughs> So having that Hulk series be one long storyline, right? Like it's it's decompressed over three weeks. That bothers my continuity bone. And there's not any strict time frame in that. You get the feeling that it's happening a certain, you know, sort of yeah, logically following things. Do you think this but fucking this, shit happened in the middle of it? Yeah, and it could happen before it, it could happen after it. This whole, this type of book disrupts the Marvel continuity holistically from like yeah. Rocket Raccoon to Hawkeye to <clears throat> Scarlet Witch, like all of that. I want the end of that Hulk series, and I haven't read much of it, but I want the end of it to be the death of undying Hulks. I want them to get rid of the Gamma thing. I think that broke that, broke that, that kind of Character and I reason. I wouldn't be super surprised if they do undo. They're gonna that. have to. It's yeah. so far from your typical Marvel right. book. But no then one this else will be able to handle that. Has to happen that. in the middle of it before they undo it somewhere. Yeah, and I wouldn't say weird. that there's moments in there that say a week couldn't have passed, like yeah. before sure. the hell stuff, and then after the sort of him touching base with killing some people and coming back to death. Like there's a, a undetermined period of time there. Yeah, yeah you could sneak stuff in. I read this book because I wanted to see Conan with the Avengers. He's got no shirt. <laughs> I so mean, like, look you at have this. to be strong to do that. Listen, listen to Justin. Look at this. Whoa! See, he's strong. He's <laughs> strong. Not a hair on that chest. No, no. Roman's got enough hair for he and Crom and Conan. <laughs> he flexed and uh, donated it all to Crom. Saucy. Yeah. Yeah. Bing, bing, bing. Look at this chest hair, bing, bing, Conan. Bing, bing. Crom's bones. Roman, as someone who's read all of this and all the the Conan stuff and has been reading the Immortal Hulk stuff, Oof. does it all I've seem... I've even read some Robert E. Howard Conan stories, the so originals. Does it all seem okay? Did you like it? Was this the was right? This was the best issue of this miniseries so far. I believe that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, pretty much got Conan's voice right. I mean, he's... Kind of an anti-hero, kind of a good guy, but he's the know, king, though. He's baby. still saying things like to Wanda that she wants to know how how would he be a barter? He said, "Well, either my steel or your beauty." So he would have like you know prostituted her um, if it came to that. So yeah, he's still he's not a goody two shoes at all. Yeah, this is cool. I thought I thought both Wanda and Conan were played off each other well in this. <laughs> I give this one. Uh, Six point five or a seven. Like I enjoyed the Conan stuff more than I thought I was gonna. I'm not super interested in the Avengers story, and it seems like it's gonna kind of undo. But whatever. I'm gonna give it a six. I wouldn't take back reading it. But no, for I sure. Don't think I'm gonna read the next one. We got. <laughs> hey guys, we got to read these comics this week. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. What no, a I, blessed yeah. life we lead. I appreciate that, and and like I don't know, man. I might just be grumpy and giving things low scores, but I. The entire time I was reading comics, I was having fun this yeah, week. Yeah, like we got I, to do that. Everybody everybody that gets to read a comic book is, you know, blessed for a minute. I guess like... That's my new philosophy, guys. I guess I read this because I wanted to be able to talk about it with you guys. And when it comes right down to it, I'm not really an Avengers guy. 
I'm not really a Conan guy. I'm also not really a Conan guy. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Also not really a, a like a weekly adventure guy. We're just here to sort of be like <laughs> um, sort of clutching the legs of Roman, who's a giant. We're sort of licking. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a huge. I'm a huge. He's just sort of thundering through the desert with us, and the chill children <laughs> sucking on the teat of his heels. Crumbs bones, hang on back there. <laughs> Milk Crumb's that giant bones. scorpion, or I will, won't eat all for a week. I love Avengers. I love Conan. What'd you give it? Oh, uh, I'll get. <laughs> Ten. Uh, I'll, give, I'll give it an eight. All right. Uh, <laughs> I want Roman to make up words for numbers when he's given scores. I words give it for numbers. Scots. <laughs> I've, oh, wow. I've given a those are doom. No, that oh. somebody else made that up. Sorry. Oh man, you got a minute thirty <laughs> seconds to talk Kirby? about some comics, Roman. Get ready, set. What? What are we doing? Buckshot. Buckshot. Oh, buckshot. It's Holy. going, baby. Oh man. Uh, Pink Panther car- cartoon hour special. Pink Panther. How is that not ready to go? Number two. What happened to number one? Okay, well, I, I, I didn't know there was a number one of this. This reminded me how much I love Pink Panther cartoons oh. as a kid. They were so they're weird and surreal, and there's no. They're kind of timeless because there's no current uh, pop culture references. And they're just weird. They got the weird little like white dude with the with the Hitler stash, and he's always mad at the Panther. He's got the weird the inspector, pants. inspector dude. It's just crazy. It's lots of fun. Um, what else did I read? Regular issue of Avengers. That's still fun. The vampire thing is cool. The coolest thing about this is it gives a new it gives a new status to Dracula in the Marvel universe. They do some really cool stuff with him, where he just wants to be left alone because he's five hundred years old. He's tired of everything. But then there's a twist. That was Ooh. awesome. Yeah. Was it a good <laughs> twist? It, oh. It's a good twist. Savage Sword of Conan. That was awesome. Um, oh, Kaiju Max. Jeez, I love this book. The ten. This is a, every issue of this is a ten, <laughs> guaranteed. Love the prison narrative. <laughs> Have you? Is, does that guy go to any conventions? We've got to like, yeah, get Roman yeah. to talk to this guy. What guy? Oh, Xander Cannon. Yeah. I don't know. What? Guy? I would love to talk to him. Uh, he even talks about the Power Rangers movie in here from 2017, which I saw in the theater. It's my whole. It's my whole knowledge of Power Rangers is from that movie. What the fuck? What the, f- uh, <laughs> what the fuck is your deal, man? <laughs> You're far out, brother. You're far the fuck out, man. All right, all right, all right. You What's want... your uh, scores for those fucking books you just talked scores, about? Scores. Kaiju Max was a ten. Avengers number seventeen. I will give a seven point five. Savage Sword of Conan. I'll give that an eight. Um, and Pink Panther, oh, God, just for the mem- just for the nostalgia, I'll give Pink Panther a nine. <laughs> Man, I love Pink Panther too. I watched hey, a lot of it. Go or I, go? I love the story in the end here with this this little Jeff, dude. Jeff, go. Okay, I'm going to talk about two books. The first is going to be uh, Venom number twelve by Donny Cates, Joshua Cassara, and Rain Barreto. They've done a really great job of having the artists sort of mimic the style of Ryan Stegman, who can't do can't quite keep up, which is just the status with books at shipping these days, but it looks really, really good. Um, there was some big stuff that happened at the end of the last issue. Eddie's little brother is not necessarily his little brother. We follow up on exactly who he is and what's going on with that. But we learn that Eddie's dad is a real sort of drunk, abusive guy, and he was really abusive to Eddie, and he's uh, pretty abusive to the little brother who is not a little brother. He's something more. Um and the maker, Evil Reed Richards, has had Eddie like in the symbiote in this crazy sonic cocoon that's like Eddie's really mad because he learns he's being abused, so they crank it all the way up and the symbiote like leaves his body and it explodes. And then we see Venom going to just beat the shit out of his dad and basically abducts his dad, and we realize that like the symbiote leaves Eddie and is kind of going on this sort of revenge mission for Eddie without Eddie. 
and it's I don't know, it's cool. It just lends itself to like the really interesting story that's going on with that. And not as good as the beginning stuff, but I still really like it. Spider-Man City at War, part of the Gamerverse. This is based on the PS4 Spider-Man game. Really loved that game. They're doing five issues retelling the game's story. That's a real bummer. If the people who are buying this book are the ones who liked the game, so they don't need that story retold. But they are going to apparently do some new stuff with it, add some corners to it, and then continue it on after the game. So if you liked the game, it would be a good place to go. Rowan, what's your question? I, have a, I haven't yeah. played the game. Well, you should read this because I'll, I'll have fun. It is. Justin, did you flip around a little bit or do you played it, right? Well, your brother the, had his when you yeah, were in Spokane. Most of the, yeah, I, I played all the story with him. The uh, story is one of my favorite Spider-Man written stories of the last good chunk of years. The characterization of Pete is great. The characterization of everybody is great. The relationship with Doc Ock is great. The Mary Jane stuff's great. Black Cat stuff, great. Wow. Um, I would give that book not a super high score just based on the fact that it revamped the story that I already knew. I wanted it to be a new story. But if you haven't played the game, I would highly recommend it. So I do think it was well done. Give it a 7.5 for those two conflicting opinions. Venom number 12, I'm going to give an 8 because I think, you know, yeah, it's easy to sort of fall off of this book because it's doing some weird sort of tangential stuff right now. But I am really liking it, and it is sort of... It's a lot about drug dependence as a metaphor for abusive relationships and the symbiote thing. So, yeah, I, I really like it. That's me. Django. Minute what? and a half. Go. Criminal. Number three. Criminal. Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips. This finishes the story that started in number two uh, about the old grumpy comic book creator. And it's got a really nice kind of twist ending that I'm not going to spoil here, but it's... Um, yeah, you, you, you go through this whole laborious process of this guy trying to find his art. And uh, when when you get to the end of the story, you're like, okay, this is pretty awesome. Um, there is uh, Lawless in here. So like like Brubaker said, uh, this, this series is going to follow Lawless family. And I like that. And then, of course, there's the uh, color of money in the back matter. No spoilers. Not, no too big of a spoilers on this one, please. Uh, American Carnage. My favorite book. Everything that you thought happened last issue happened different than you think. Spoiler free. There is there is an amazing scene, just a silhouetted scene between the main character and the the daughter of the main bad guy, um, and like you can just feel this guy beat up and fucked up, and man. He's going through some shit to be the, to be this deep undercover. It's it's really really well done, and then Black Badge is basically the White Badge. Um, just looking looking at each of the Black Badge team and trying to decide who they need to try to recruit or kill. And this has like props to Tyler Jenkins. Your uh, action scene in this issue is right up there with Batman this week. It it's. The, the last action scene in this is just phenomenal. Um, I was I was super impressed with it. Mm. And, and you know, for Matt Kent, the lead-up to that action scene is also super, super good. Oh! So, uh, number three of Criminal, I would give... Uh, I'd give that an eight and a half, maybe even a nine. American Carnage, solid. Solid eight and a half. There's a couple things in here that didn't quite track for me, and uh, Jeff and I can talk about it later, and Jeff can probably explain to me exactly what I missed. Mm. And uh, Black Badge, uh, I'm gonna give that, I'm gonna give that an eight. It's 
it's really, really well done. It feels kind of like a bridge issue, and, and there's there's a... The very end of the action scene is a little bit unclear to me, but uh, just there's, there's like a two-page struggle, and it's really, really good. Guys, you doing that and me saying that about American Carnage uh, made me realize that of my three favorite books coming out right now, American <clears throat> Carnage is one of them, and it's the only one not written by Tom King. That's because Brian Hill is Tom King in disguise. I, I love it, but I just like that's one rubber of my mask. three. I look forward to that book for a full month when an issue ends. Like I've been looking forward to that since we got back from comics, bro. Yeah, dude, it's it's crazy how good it is yeah. and how perfectly kind of early Vertigo it feels to me, or like yeah. like heyday of Vertigo. Yeah, it feels to me like one of the best Vertigo books that's ever come out. Yeah, like you know, Preacher yeah. and Scalped. Doesn't hurt that it looks a little bit like. Hey, yourself. Justin, you get ninety seconds all to yourself. Talk Ooh. to me about your dreams. Alrighty. First up is Guardians of the Galaxy number three by Donnie Cates, Jeff Shaw, and Marte Gracia. Um, read this book, liked the creatures in it. Uh, looks like Star Fox. Uh, yeah. This guy, yeah. yeah. Barrel rolls. Barrel rolls. Thanos' brother didn't didn't know that. Uh, he's pissed off. He's got some Two Face shit going on. He's mad at Two Face's disembodied hologram. What is that? Was that Annihilus? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, I like uh, Annihilus. I, I like Annihilus, too. Uh, bad guy team goes to what you think is going to recruit him. They threaten him. Some shit goes on. Mm. Um, then factions split further. They're looking for Nova because Nova knows where Gamora is. I didn't read issue two, so I was confused as shit. I, I'm going to read three, but didn't read two. But there's a lot of like team splitting up, so I was pretty confused. This Wraith guy. Never split the party. Um <laughs> He is born Cree. He cannot die. He does not tire, and he does not feel pain. So why is there even a story here? Is if he there's, a Hulk? if he's that powerful, like he threatens some people, and why do you care about anything else that's going on? This guy is omni powerful and threatening people. Oh, like, man. what threats are there? I don't know. I didn't get it. I, uh, I didn't really get it. Uh, you know. Pete's pissed off about some stuff and drinking because he's Pete. Group uh, plays an immature teenage group joke on Pete. Pete is mad and realizes he now uh, knows that Gamora is going to assassinate Rocket. Missed that. Fuck! I didn't even get the Bloodborne, which is actually what I was excited about. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that You just got buckshotted, buddy. Oh, man. I'm, I'm out of shooting practice. We call that the buck shit. Uh, <laughs> Bloodborne was really cool and meditative, Jeff, and I think that you'd like it. Yeah, I really want to read these Eileen the Crow issues. Speaking of staying awake, you know who doesn't sleep? <clears throat> Batman. Yes. Dude. <laughs> you know who, who yeah. Cuckoo. So <laughs> oh, God. This. God, this cover. This, yeah, I just. This comic. Just give it to me, baby. This comic is just. Unload on Roman. Blah. Have you, did you read it, Roman? Oh, yeah. Everybody oh, read it. Oh, I think it. I'm sitting closest to you on this, but I still don't get it. <laughs> I really loved it. I, there is no... I loved it. My one thought when I finished it, as I was reading it, my one thought was, this is a book that people are kind of on the fence of. Like, we love it. But there are a lot of people, like, we get people jumping onto it and dropping it in almost equal numbers, mm -hmm. issue by issue. And as I finished this issue, I could see that if somebody paid four twenty four for this... They might feel a little like they wish <laughs> they had gotten some more. That's not me, but I could I could hear that voice. This is mm. my favorite comic of the year. I'm going to call it right now. There's okay. not going to be a comic that I like more than this one this year. And wow, I like, think that's I'm, a ten. <laughs> I'm going to put this up there with the Batman Annual number two 
from okay. last year, the year before, with the Batman Catwoman love story, like them them through the ages. I mean, I yeah, I <clears throat> this every single thing about this, and it's largely a silent issue except for sound effects, and we're gonna. I, I'm gonna spoil this the shit one. Out of this. Yeah, this one so. like this isn't a grand <laughs> spoiler. This is just uh, self-contained to the issue spoiler. That's and, not even so, in its own. It's in its own pocket. And reality. it's a metaphor yeah, yeah. for so much. So people, pause, it, yeah. pause this. Come this into the, the last store book. and stand yeah. there and read it if you want. Yeah. and then listen It'll to the rest of this minutes. podcast. Yeah, it's it's it can be a fast read. It's basically just a chase scene between Batman and and a character who we don't recognize, who I thought looked like the spider. Or like scarecrow. See, I thought it was. The I, thought it, I thought it was. Question. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, I thought maybe. I thought it was the, the question with yeah. some kind of screwy mask he was playing with. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's just like a, a crazy black mask, mask and a, a dude in a in a fedora running from Batman, and basically they start at the very top of the city, like they're on they're on the top of this tenement building, and um, because we we know from reading this and and uh, from from the last few issues that Batman is still dreaming or still. Uh, hallucinating. He's, it, this isn't reality. Uh, every few pages, we see a beep, beep sound effect on here, and I thought it was an alarm through the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I did too. Like you're, I you're, thought, it was, yeah, me too. That was you're my reading, thought. and it's like the guy pitches himself off the building, and he grabs a phone pole, and it breaks, and he swings through a window, and Batman jumps after him. And it's just like sound effect after sound effect. I just want to add <laughs> that. Chase scenes, like when I first saw them as a young person, I thought it was space. You know, and a lot of the times you see, you hear people say that it's way just to fill empty space. Yeah. But, and I think some people would read this and say that, but it's from a technical standpoint. The way every shot is directed and the way, it's just like the best chase scene I've ever seen from a technical art, like comics, done in a comic book. And it's it's the whole issue. Like they, they keep... They keep jumping and falling and jumping and falling and beeping and beeping. I think and that yeah. this is where the art changes. Yeah, this is. Yeah, I think yeah. it's. I think the they stairwell. were like, yeah, Lee, you gotta ch- do a whole chase sequence to a staircase where the guy is gonna jump down and Bama's gonna follow it, and then Jorge, you start at this guy regaining his balance after jumping down a big spiral st- spiral staircase. It's mostly just these artists getting to do this big tour de force. <laughs> and and what we find out in the end is that. The character he's been chasing is wearing a mask. Like they, they both jump into the, the dump of the sewer, um, in in the Gotham River culvert or whatever. And Batman, it's, it's it's culvert, culvert. Batman takes off the mask, and it's the Joker. And like Jeff and Roman heard me reading that, and I got to that page, and I had like an audible excited reaction to that but then the the thing that made me go back and reread the entire book again was the last page it's revealed that the beeps which i thought were an alarm trying to wake batman up are actually the joker's beep beep horn and it reframes the entire story into a wily coyote and roadrunner chase like the first thing the first thing roadrunner slash joker does he goes Beep, beep. And then he jumps off the building. And then every one of these sound effects, like when he grabs onto the the, uh, phone line, you can hear the... (laughs) Yeah, that was, as my first time reading through it, it seemed like not the usual sound effect fair. And after you get the, you know, you finish the issue, it reframes it. (laughs) So it's, the whole thing is perfect for a reread. I would also say that of the nightmare issues, 
where every single one, I think, is supposed to be a sort of standalone, metaphorical meditation on some aspect of his psyche. Yeah. This was the most graspable. Like, it was the most, like, oh, here's this metaphor. This makes sense. This is a manifestation of this relationship that he has with this character, and it is for always ever just this. It's just a wild chase to the end. A wily chase. You can't go on a chase if you don't have something to chase, and that thing doesn't have anything to run away from if that thing isn't mm-hmm. chased. And it's it, like they don't, they literally cannot exist without each other. Why are you chasing the Joker? Why is he running? Yep. I want to find Foley for this whole issue. <laughs> this last page... <clears throat> It, it, it reminded me. Oh, what a it, sound that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I, that I, that's the start of our podcast right there. Yeah, I, I, I can never in, repeat that. Get that. <laughs> that's just tens um, oozing out. Yeah, let's just. Cool, let's just sample that every episode. Um, <laughs> no, but one this, for sure. This last page, it totally reminded me of the end of Killing Joke. This is like a little addendum to that, a little companion to that. Oh. Wow. Just from a whole different metaphorical yeah. standpoint. Justin, Holy when Jenga shit. walked out, he was like, one of the best issues I've read this year. And I was like, and it didn't even have a year one reference. <laughs> but there's a very good, I didn't think about that relationship to the killing joke. It does You're have right. a year one pose, though. It does, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and Jango, but Jango's very quick response was, I'll find it. <laughs> I found it. Um, that's, I, that's amazing, Roman. It, Just the idea that yeah. he kills the Joker in the end of this. Yeah. Or it, does he? Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> so the the last page is like the only real meaningful dialogue in the whole thing, right? Who is William Ernest Coyote? Yeah, I almost Googled it as I was doing stuff. Um, well, while you Google that, I'll do some stuff. I'll talk about how when Batman lands in the uh, couple's bedroom, that's the same pose he has in year one. Is it? Right there on like page seven. Oh, or wow. Yeah. Um, he does. Oh, he does I didn't catch that. Building, I and think. I don't know if there is a William Ernest Coyote well, or is he's that... laying between them on the this last panel on the first page. <clears throat> There's someone up there, is it? But he looks like somebody in a costume, though. It is. It's a coyote costume, right? Oh. Is it a coyote costume? He does have a pointed nose. Oh, right, William Ernest Coyote. Yeah, Wiley, Wiley coyote. coyote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so to me, that was like the. Except most... I thought Batman was supposed to be Wiley Coyote. For anybody who didn't catch the Roadrunner thing, yeah. To me, that was them saying. Hey, this is a this is a Looney Tunes reference. Oh, and Wiley Coyote used to dress up as Batman all the time. He would get he did. the he had oh, products yeah. and he had yeah. the Batman thing would <laughs> yeah. jump off and try and fly. And you're oh, and he would jump off the building. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. Except his head would still be up there in the little eep sign. <laughs> this is, I get it now, Django. <laughs> ten, ten, eleven. <laughs> Do I have to stop? I'll ten with you. I'm gonna put ten dicks on the table. I mean, each of them is a ten, a hundred. Uh, Oh, boom, wow. Boom, That's boom. juicy. This this does everything I want a comic to do, including making me read it twice and making Eli and then Erica read it before bed. <laughs> I mean, I love Looney Tunes and you know, a smart Looney Tunes reference like that. A Looney Tunes Inception is pretty good. But yeah, I don't I know if that makes a, me simple. I would have said a 9.5 before being in this room with all of you, but I have to I have to say a 10. I, I you know, I I loved it. It was very 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 well, good. What well, well, would have given you what dropped it to a nine point five? Um, I really love it. It's not quite that thing that it like for me. If I were to sit in my bedroom and say, you know, if I'm tripping on acid and I'm having a real tough time and I gotta find a thing that like I need to find that thing that is 
inspires me to get me out of a thing. Like, kind of that's what 10 is to me, is what is, like, a piece of art that, like, in- inspires me to, like, be a better thing on every level. Like, th- this is very, very good, but it, it doesn't quite have, like... Um, like, Justin and I were recently talking about how, you know, not... Like, at this point in our life, it's really important, I think, to find things that entertain you. Not every single thing has to be... Uh, this thing that redefines your definition of what a yeah. fucking thing is. But also, um, those are my favorite things. Yeah. You know? Well, that's that's your paradigm. This redef- it revivifies Batman for me. He was kind of a dead spot in my heart. I've read more Batman than any other comic book, and I really just didn't have a stomach for him. And these past ten issues, for me, like, has added to the Batman pantheon. It, it's why Batman's archetypal and it's why he's real in in a, in a way that other ideas aren't. Yeah, Django, is this your favorite Batman run? I don't know what would beat it. Yeah. Year one. No, I mean, you you tweeted deal but... about you know Dark Knight Returns and and uh, those are my bookends. Yeah, you got to have something to put between them. Yeah, Roman, uh, your score for Batman number sixty-seven. <laughs> oh. Uh... I'll give it a ten after this conversation. I was also <laughs> going to give it to give it like a nine and a half. But yeah, after this conversation, ten. I mean, just joy is infectious. Yeah, it is, and just the fact the way it ties into Killing Joke and the cover. I love this cover. It's amazing that the whole issue there's the sound effects, but the cover there's no sound effects, but you can hear those foot those footsteps as they're running through the water. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It reminds me of an Alan Moore Batman book. Like, he yeah. will go to no lengths to just sell that gag and make everything that gag. And that's what it's like. Yeah. It's I, in the particles of every part of it is that fucking last it, page gag. Yeah. And, yeah. and, the, and the details and awesome. of the gag and the issues, like, like there's one panel when the trench-coated figure, that turns out to be joking, when he, like, grabs his hat in the middle of falling or something. He wants to keep his hat with him, which reminded me of Indiana Jones. It also reminded me of And then for the, some reason, the hat is sinking in the, the water, which guy. there's no reason it yeah. should, but it has to stay with him. It's cartoon physics. It has to stay with him. <laughs> I have a question. So, And I, I wonder if this will divide us, but the first half is Lee Weeks, and the second half is Jorge Fornes. I know my answer. Who Whose art do you prefer in it? Mm. Fornes. Weeks or the Fornes? I'm definitely in the Fornes camp, which is the second half. Yeah. Although this was so well done that I actually wow. thought the whole thing was weeks going. I did too. I didn't notice way. that the art had changed. Lee Weeks has had four hundred years to come up with his craft, and <laughs> Fornes, as far as we know, just kind of hatched out of an egg in issue one of Hot Lunch <laughs> Special. Um, I honestly didn't notice a change in the art when I was reading it. It was the credit that where we were like, oh, it says he's on here. Yeah, but they're like they're it's both clear. they're both yeah. yeah, you can tell, but they're both so good at telling these stories. Like the, just the action, everything. Yeah. And they mirror each other very well. Unless Tom is... King was very specific about his paneling. And I kind of doubt that. Yeah. Um these these guys are evenly matched for me. Um, did, did you guys even notice, speaking of art, that one little tiny subtle like nod Watchmen. to Watchmen? It looks oh, like yeah, it. yeah, there's the little button there's there. There's the yeah. trench-coated guy's button, yeah. button <laughs> there. Yeah. After a fall, too. Oh! Yeah. No, that was <laughs> the first read-through. I was like, oh, it's the Watchmen reference that got him down there. Which is, again, why I thought it was the question still. <laughs> wow. It's interesting. Yeah, for me, it's Fornes, but they clearly, the second half, they were trying to make the Fornes art look a little bit more like Lee Weeks. For sure. Is it Fornes who has the 
there's there's it's like a inkier, side it's darker yeah. it's flatter it's mm. it's it's this panel right here that's just a building and like it's nine thing, yeah. or that's twelve stories it's of like the Aja stuff. a fire escape yeah. blew me away and yeah. to me I totally agree that's the exact thing that I thought of and then here's the difference is that here's the weeks version of that it's a little more photocopied it's this yeah it's yeah it's it's, uh, it's more delicate it's like not as math it's less acidy if I were to actually describe it yeah. But I, yeah, no. the the flow of this is, this issue was as good as or better than the Mitch Garrett's uh, Mr. Miracle, Mr. Miracle going, issue yeah. where they're going through apocalypse. Like, yeah, just they're they're both doing very different things. But the the panel to panel cartooning in this, it, it was like watching a movie. Someone send us home. <clears throat> well. <laughs> Django, you're back. I'm back and it's my like front. It's been like three or four issues, three or four episodes, and I, I did the math today. I think it's been four since you were on. We're super glad to have time, you back. Man. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. I've I've been listening to our podcast instead of just being on it. Yeah, it's good. It's the, good. It's yeah, good yeah, to be yeah. back. Anybody? Yeah, I just uploaded the one today of Roman and I doing this <laughs> week's. That was a real subdued, serious podcast. <laughs> but the one before it was a real hoot. I had I had fun listening to it. I've I've listened to every one of them that you've put up there. Wow. And you just. Hey, <laughs> which one of you boys want to take me up to the top of a building and push me off? Me. I would, I would be at the one at the bottom and just waiting to let you fall on me. Well, one me, of you me. guys would have to chase me. Yeah. Roman. No, no, oh, I was going to say, I can be tending bar. Because he's coming for those, bar. that green butt of yours. Yeah. He's running for your green butt. Roman's, or J- Jango's throwing you off, and I'll be there just in an angel position ready to let you fall on oh, me and okay. take us both okay. out. Yeah, I'm Jeff, and I, re- I still, I really, am, I love comics. I'm Django, and uh, the worst comic I read was a six. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah. That's pretty good. Doesn't mean you still didn't yeah. love it also. No, I like them all. Yeah. I like them all. I'm Justin, meep, meep. and I like uh, Looney Tunes DNA in my comics. <laughs> I'm Roman, uh, and I, I love comics too. Uh, yeah, like you said, we get to we get to read this stuff, you know. Fuck yeah! <laughs> I, I, I was I, I was hanging out I was hanging out my other job in the old city hall building of the museum after dark, like ten o'clock. I turned off the lights and I was sitting on the couch. I was reading the latest issue of From Hell, which you know Victorian building in the dark, reading this Victorian murder book. It was awesome. I was just thinking, I get to do this.